Amen. We're going to open up to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. One verse this morning, one verse again tonight. I'll probably make up for it next week, who knows, but Proverbs 13, verse 20, page 637, if you're using a pew Bible. This is what God's Word says. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Another thing that persuades me to write to you, my dear boy, is that is that I have felt in my own experience the want of having a friend to direct and counsel me. I had a kind brother, as you have, who taught me many things. He gave me a Bible and persuaded me to read it. He tried to train me as a gardener trains the apple tree upon the wall, but all in vain. I thought myself far wiser than he, and would always take my own way, and many a time I well remember. I have seen him reading his Bible or shutting his closet door to pray when I have been dressing to go to some frolic or dance or folly. Well, this dear friend and brother of mine died, and through his death made a greater impression upon me than ever his life had done. Still, I found the misery of being friendless, I do not mean that I had no relations and worldly friends, for I had many, but I had no friend who cared for my soul. I had no one to direct me to the Savior, no one to awaken my slumbering conscience, no one to tell me about the blood of Jesus washing away all my sin, no one to tell me about the Spirit who is so willing to change the heart and to give the victory over passions. I had no minister to take me by the hand and say, come with me, and we will do thee good. Yes, I had one friend and minister, but that was Jesus himself, and he led me in a way that makes me give him and him only all the praise. Now, though, Jesus may do this again, yet the more common way with him is to use earthly guides. If I could supply the place of such a guide to you, I should be happy To be a finger post is all I want to be, pointing out the way. This is what I so much wanted for myself. That was uh, an excerpt from a letter dated August 8, 1836, written by the Scottish pastor Robert Murray McChain. And it was written to a young man from his congregation who had just left home for the very first time. And in that excerpt, McChain underscores both the value and the necessity of keeping good company in the Christian life. McChain talks about how he had it, and then he lost it. And then he longed for it again after his brother died, and he offers to fill that role of a godly friend in the life of this young man. Of course, Proverbs 13, verse 20, also underscores for us the value of 
keeping good company and having good friends in the Christian life. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And the point is, the company you keep makes a difference. The people you chum around with, you begin to resemble. I want to consider the two halves of this verse with you. We'll begin with the first half. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Now, we ought to remember what it means to be wise according to Proverbs and according to the Bible. In the Bible, the whole concept of wisdom is bound up with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9 verse 10 and Psalm 111 verse 10 both say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 15 verse 33 says, the fear of the Lord is instruction of wisdom. Okay, the whole concept of wisdom is bound up with the fear of the Lord in Scripture. So the one who is wise in the Bible is the one who fears the Lord. The one who is wise in the Bible is the, is the believer, ultimately. And the point here, again, is that, is that as we spend time with believers, as we spend time with those who are walking daily in faith and repentance, wisdom, we become like them. Their wisdom, their fear of the Lord, their trust in Christ, it will rub off on us. Tim Challies is a, is a popular blogger, and uh, he once gave examples of how he saw this exact verse from Proverbs 13 at work in his own life. He's speaking here about the pastors and the elders of his church, listen to what he says. He says, there is Murray, whose love for people and whose genuine interest in them is unsurpassed. I am a person who is naturally shy, and I can allow shyness uh, to be an excuse to permit me to be reclusive. But Murray's love for people stands as both a challenge and an inspiration to me. And I mean that. He truly inspires me, oops, sorry, to grow in my love for others, to extend hospitality, to be a genuinely caring Christian. I love to spend time with Murray because I want to be like Murray. And he talks about another friend. He says, there's Tom, whose patient kindness resonates in my soul. I cannot think of anyone who has so powerful a combination of gentleness of spirit and firmness of faith. He's always ready with a word of encouragement. He's always eager to steer a conversation to spiritual matters. Tom serves relentlessly with kindness, with patience, and boldness. I want to be like Tom. Chalice continues. And then there's Julian, who though the youngest of our bunch, exhibits such spiritual maturity. He is proof that though an elder is not allowed to be a young and immature Christian, a young man can be mature and well-qualified to serve God as an under-shepherd. In Julian, I see a relentless desire to read Scripture, to study it, and to live it. And through that, I'm challenged to grow in maturity and godliness. And then he says, there's Paul, 
From Paul, I've learned to love and respect my wife as I've seen the way he loves and respects his wife. From him, I've learned to refer to Eileen not only as my wife, but as my bride. I love that word. It points to a freshness that looks back on the day she was first given to me. And from Paul, I've also learned the skill of applying the gospel to all of life. He loves the gospel, and he knows of the importance of living in the joy and freedom of that good news. I love to spend time with Paul because I want to be like him and to resemble him in these ways and so many others. Then he closes by saying, in these men, God has given me the opportunity to learn how to love, how to be gentle and bold, how to grow in maturity, how to treasure my wife, and how to hold fast and apply the gospel. Each of these men has blessed me immeasurably. What a blessing it is that by spending time with them, I can eventually be like them. What a blessing it is that he who walks with the wise grows wise, end quote. Now, hopefully, hopefully we can think of similar examples in our own lives. We can think of wise and godly men and women whose influence has rubbed off on us. That happens. That's how, that's how things work. This morning and again tonight, I have the privilege of looking at two people. You can't see them. And I didn't tell them I was going to say them. One is Kristen uh, sitting in the back of church, but then our brother Ron Voss is sitting over here as well. Right, and, uh, and Kristen's here in the midst of a cancer battle, and, and Ron, Ron buried his wife two days ago. And as Ron was leaving the sanctuary, I shook his hand, and Ron, I didn't say this to you, but I was inspired by you, that you were here, that you were worshiping God, and by both of you, uh, I'm challenged in my own worship of God, right? Challenged to remember that God is worthy of worship no matter what is going on in my life. We have people that rub off on us, that challenge us, that inspire us. They're even here with us. He who walks with the wise grows wise. And thankfully, uh, although maybe Ron and Kristen would disagree, we have wise people. I don't think Kristen or Ron will disagree with that, but sometimes we're, we're a little modest about ourselves. But we have wise people here with us and both of them. This is how things work. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. Let's consider now the second half of the verse. But the companion of fools suffers harm. Be good for us to remember what a fool is in Scripture. The fool is one who says in his heart, there is no God. That's Psalm 14, verse 1. So the the fool is the proud, self-reliant, unrepentant, and unbelieving sinner. The fool is the antithesis the opposite of the one who is wise. If the one who is wise is the one who fears the Lord, well, you can do the math. The fool is the one who does not. He is the one who lives his life as if there is no God. And the point of the proverb here is that when we chum around with and get involved with fools, it's probably not going to end well for us. And we certainly see that in Scripture, don't we? Samson comes to mind. (laughs) He was, no doubt, a companion of fools in his relationship with Delilah, and Samson suffered great harm because of it, as did the people of Israel. Rehoboam comes to mind. 
In 1 Kings 12, Rehoboam rejects the counsel of the elders in Israel and listens instead to the young men who had grown up with him. He too suffered great harm in doing that as the kingdom was divided into two. I'm sure those of us who are parents can think of examples from the lives of our children when they got mixed up with the wrong crowd and suffered because of it. Of course, if we're going to be honest, most of us who are parents can also think of examples from our own lives when we got mixed up with the wrong crowd and suffered because of it. Uh, I didn't once, I don't know if I should say that, I might get the cop show at my house. I, I, you know, I didn't once blow up the mailbox because it was my idea, but because I was a companion of fools, right? Anyways, that was a long time ago. Uh, this principle set forth in Proverbs, it's played out over and over and over again throughout history, right? The companion of fools suffers harm. Of course, this same principle is stated in other ways throughout Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, bad company corrupts good character. Galatians 5 verse 9 says, a little leaven works through the whole batch of dough. All of these verses, along with Proverbs 13 20, are in the same ballpark. All of these verses are operating on the same principle. The company you keep makes a difference. The people you chum around with have an impact on you and have an influence on you. You'll begin to resemble them. And what are some practical applications that can be drawn from this? That's what I want to consider with you for the remainder of our time tonight. And let me give you three practical applications that can be drawn from this proverb. In the first place, this proverb highlights our need for the church. This proverb highlights our need for the church. The principle that the company you keep makes a difference leads to a question, doesn't it? Okay, where can I find good company? Where can I find wise people to walk with? And the answer is in the church. In the church, we, we find people who fear the Lord and, and who are committed to serving the Lord. And it's by spending time with these people on Sunday as we worship. But throughout the week as well, through Bible studies and times of fellowship, various acts of friendship, whatever, it's by, it's by spending time with these people that we walk with the wise and grow wise. That's why it's crazy to to, to think you can live the Christian life apart from the church because the fact is the church, the body of Christ, it's it's one of the means God uses to bestow his life-transforming grace upon us. It's through the fellowship of believers that we walk with the wise and become wise. This isn't to say there aren't fools in church. There most certainly are, are fools in church. But even still, I think we can all agree that the church affords us the greatest opportunities to walk with the wise. And I hope we take advantage of these opportunities. I hope we find ourselves getting involved in various ministries, not only for, for the purpose of doing our part in the church, but also for the purpose of walking with the wise and spending time with other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, this principle ought to influence our 
prayers for our children and our grandchildren. I mean, in in light of this, why would we not ask God's people, or excuse me, ask God to put wise people in our children's lives? Why would we not ask God to provide our children with the friends and influences and even spouses who, who fear the Lord and who are committed to serving the Lord? I certainly prayed that for my children regularly, almost since the moment they were born, that God would put people in their lives who can influence them for the better in their walk with Christ. Some years ago, a man I know, he, he was approached by his daughter's boyfriend, and you know why. Your daughter's boyfriend might approach her father because he wanted to ask the father if he could marry his daughter. And so this young man, he came and he asked his, his girlfriend's father if he could have her hand in marriage. And, and, and when this young man asked his girlfriend's father, the man said, well, you tell me something. For the last 20 years, I've been praying that God would give my daughter a godly man to lead her as her husband. Is that you? They are married. (laughs) But why why would we not pray such a thing for our children, right? The company you keep makes a difference. He who walks with the wise grows wise. The company of fools suffers harm. This ought to influence our prayers for our children and grandchildren. We ought to be people who pray continually, Lord God, please provide my children, please provide my grandchildren with godly friends who can point them to Christ. Lord God, in the course of time, please provide my child with a godly spouse who will point them to Christ. Third, this proverb brings urgency to our walk with Christ. When the book of Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm, on one level we're called to think about our relationships with others. And we're called to think about the people we spend time with. Are they wise or are they foolish? Do they fear the Lord or do they say in their hearts there is no God? But on another level, this proverb calls us to think about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because our Lord Jesus Christ is supremely wise. Mark 7, 37 says he is the one who does all things well. Wouldn't you want your child hanging out with a person who does all things well? I would. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1, 30 says that, that Jesus is uh, supremely wise, wisdom incarnate even. The wisdom from God. And it follows then uh, that we should see in Proverbs 13, 20, a call to walk with Christ and to keep company with Christ in order that we might ultimately become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. In 156 AD, uh, the Romans showed up at the house of a man named Polycarp of Smyrna. And they did 
so in order to arrest him. Polycarp's friends urged him to flee. They urged him to run away. But he told his friends that God's will must be done. Does that sound a little bit familiar? Thy will be done with your life on the line. Anyways, Polycarp was arrested. He was 86 years old. He was brought before a Roman official. And he was told that if he wanted to live, he must renounce his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and pledge his allegiance instead to the Roman emperor. Polycarp refused to do it. And instead, the 86-year-old Polycarp said this, for 86 years, I have served Christ and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? Polycarp was burned at the stake for refusing to turn his back on the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is striking to me that the one who walked with Christ for 86 years should, should so resemble Christ in courage and in faith at the hour of his death. The company you keep makes a difference. The people you spend time with, you begin to resemble. Perhaps the reason some of our lives don't look more Christ-like is because we spend a little time with Christ himself. We spend a little time in prayer, a little time in the word, a little time pondering Christ's presence and Christ's providences. People of God, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. Are you walking with Jesus? Are you spending time with him? Is he rubbing off on you? May it be so in each of our lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the practical counsel afforded to us in your word again tonight from the book of Proverbs, that he who walks with the wise becomes wise, and the companion of fools suffers harm. Father, in light of this proverb, we are thankful for the wise people whom you have put in our life to point us to Christ. And Lord, we do pray for our children and grandchildren and those children of this church, and we do pray that you would put godly people in their lives to point them to Christ. And if it be thy will in the full course of time, give unto each one a godly spouse as well. But Father, more than anything, may this proverb drive us to walk more closely with your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we might resemble him in increasing measure. It's in his name we pray.